Yeah, so our guest today is former Jagex mod Matt K, a former product owner, and JMod at Jagex, who was with the company uh, about some 15 years, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah well, uh which is maybe just as long as I've played this game. So he's an industry veteran. I'm very excited to talk to him about his experience at the company, as well as what he's doing now. And I'm sure he has a lot of crazy, interesting stories that he's accumulated over all of those years. So thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, guys. It's uh, something I love doing is talking about RuneScape and my time time at Jagex. So I, yeah, I'll happily talk about that all day long. Yes, all right. To anybody who'll listen, quite oh, frankly. And we want all the, the good, juicy stories, too, which you said you're more than happy to share with us, so we're looking oh, forward God, to Oh, yeah, we got good, juicy stories. Cool. <laughs> all right, that's great. So um, we're curious, how did you get started with Jagex? I'm, I'm sure there's, like, millions of people out there that are like, oh, I want to work for Jagex. This is like, I, I play this game all day long. How? What better job can you have than to just sit around and play RuneScape all day long? So how did you get started with uh, Jagex and RuneScape? Uh, it's it's completely my wife's fault. Um, <laughs> I started there so i was um i was uh i was importing forklift trucks from china was my job before i joined jagex so a very different sort of thing and uh, we both played runescape she started playing we well, started playing runescape back in 2004 and she started playing it and said matt you should come play this game with me it's great so you know when you're told something by your wife you don't it's not you don't have a choice do you? <laughs> um so i started playing runescape and about 12 months later a job came up in the local newspaper for, uh, to work at Jagex in the customer support department. And my wife applied for it, and she didn't get the job. Oh. And after, after she didn't get the job, she said, oh, you should apply for this job because it sounds really good. So I did apply for it, again, not having a choice, being married and all that. And, uh, <laughs> you will do this. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did get the job. And, um, yeah, so it was just because my wife made me do it. Um, otherwise, it probably wouldn't even have crossed my mind to, to even think about doing it. So what year was that? That was 2005. 2005. That was I like, joined. It's still pretty early on. Fourth of October, two thousand and five, I think. Oh my God, that's crazy! That's like right around like its peak too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's great. What was the, the what was the position that was listed in the paper? Oof, I can't remember what it was. I think it was just customer support. Somebody really. Probably. The job was to go in there, and uh, so so I went there for my interview, um, and it was with a guy called um, Francesco. And he had the thickest Italian accent in the world. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't understand a word that he said uh, throughout the entire interview. And I'm sort of oh, smiling, and trying to say something. And he wouldn't even let me talk. He was just sort of talking in this really thick, uh, thick Italian accent. So, <laughs> the interview uh, was if you could listen to him, then you got the job. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so that was sort of after an hour. And then I got a sort of call back to say, yeah, can you come and do a um, trial with us? And the way it worked back then is you went there for about two and a half days, uh, did a whole bunch of different things. And uh, then they assessed your work and decided whether you were good enough to go and work there or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went there and my, the trial consisted of password requests. So when people obviously send in a password mm -hmm. request, you, you answer those password requests. Um, you look at the data that's on the system and say yes, no, whatever. And uh, there's a few other bits of bobs as well. So there's snapshot reports. So when somebody reports somebody in game, um, you sort of take the action on them based on you know how horrible they were. And uh, and yeah, so mm -hmm. uh, so I did that. And apparently I was quite good at it because they uh, they phoned me back and said, yeah, come start. I was like, yeah, all right. And uh, that's it. And my <laughs> first job was doing password requests and uh, snapshots. Oh my God. And, uh, and you worked your way all the way up to being a product owner. That's insane. Product manager, not product owner. Product owner. All right. Well, Google lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he had to, he had to go, go to Google. LinkedIn and get his actual resume to get the real information. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was in, uh, so I did that. And then six months later, I became, I joined the community management team. And back then, mm. it was looking after uh, P mods and uh, F mods. So uh, basically, you'd have the, the P mods would report people in game, and then you'd recruit P mods and you'd answer their questions. They sent it through, um, uh, sent it through the query system. And uh, yeah, so that was all I did all day was just talk to P mods, which was great fun. But then it yeah. got really interesting when the, the, um, uh, messaging system break there was a ticketing system we had and it, it stopped working which meant we couldn't reply to p mods and we're like okay we still need to have that contact with them where they can talk to us ask us questions mm -hmm. and that was sort of the first time that we started doing organized events in game and we organized three times a day to be in a secret location in the game where a p mod could come and ask us questions and sort of jump in and you know, do that sort of thing and we had sort of 100 150 p mods turn up for each one Oh wow! And uh, they'd always be upstairs in Lumbridge or uh, in a basement somewhere that nobody ever went, and that sort of thing. You'd have all these peanuts and back these secret meetings. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody would walk in. Anybody who wasn't a peanut would walk into it and go, "Oh my god, there's all these peanuts and a J mod in there." And they'd all be panicking and then run out. And <laughs> Get out, Rodanio! Yeah. When we were uh, after one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after a while we sort of realized that you know people were beginning to realize we were doing this and would deliberately turn up to listen mm. to what was going on and mm. uh, so we had a backup world uh, and so you know when we realized that somebody wasn't a pmod there uh, we would just log into the backup world and, and carry on there and there was one occasion where we were uh, somebody turned up and we decided to go to the backup world and as we logged in it was in a house upstairs in, in Lumbridge I think no Varrock and as we logged in there were two people standing there having cyber sex in the game no way. There's 30 PMOS and a JMOD logged it right next to them. Oh my God. Wow. What a. <laughs> <laughs> what what a formative experience in in somebody's RuneScape career. Yeah, no, you, you should have taken their name down. I want to talk to them next. We'll get them on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great interview. I got everybody in my clan chat or my clan chat, my stream chat, saying that you're the guy responsible for muting them like all the years back. So I got an angry mob that I'm kind of hold back. Yeah, I'm sure he deserved it. <laughs> so I want to touch on some of the things. So you've kind of climbed up the the food chain at Jagex. I'm, mm -hmm. but I know you were. I or the rumor was that you were there during the the Falador massacre at the night yes, check. Yeah, you were on yeah, the night check. So I got to hear yeah. the story behind that. What happened from your your side of this the story? So we're on uh, we're on late shift. So we we sort of working from I think it was what six o'clock till two o'clock in the morning. So it was, it was, uh, it was, it was the late shift we were on. We were about to go home, and it was about half past one in the morning. We were just sitting there, going, "Right, okay, let's just finish off these last few bits, then we're going." <laughs> and these reports start coming, saying someone's running around Varrock killing people, and we're like, oh, "Don't be ridiculous!" So we ignore it. <laughs> we're going home, damn it. And it gets to the point where we've got more of these reports coming in. It's like before we go, we probably just ought to check this isn't actually really happening. <laughs> So one of the guys, uh, Mark, his name was, he logs into game and uh, goes, goes to Varrock and sees Duriel running around killing people. 
And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so what do we do? What do we do? There's three of us down there. I was like, right, okay, well, let's, let's, let's ban him. And uh, somebody somebody called out the uh, the on-call developer to come and uh, you know find out what's going on and fix the problem. We'll ban the guy who's doing it, so at least it stops there. And we didn't know at all if anybody else was doing it, if it was just him or, you know, there was, there was you know, hundreds of people around being able to do it. Um, so uh, a couple of us sort of ran into game going, okay, go bank your items, guys. And the PMODs start coming in as well and shouting that, which is where all the memes come from, from go bank your items. Uh, <laughs> and rather than telling people to log out. But the, the world then got jammed straight away. As soon as people heard that it was happening, um, everybody wanted to get into that world just to see what was going right. on. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that way they can claim the that they lost a blue party hat. As after they got killed, absolutely. It's not that we could give anything back those days. So you know, had they have lost it, they wouldn't have got, ever got it back. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, so we did that. We called out, we called out the, the developer to do it, and that was Ash, so mod yeah. Ash, and uh, he came in, fixed it all, then went home again. And it turned out that it wasn't actually Duriel that you know was causing the bug. He was just the one taking advantage of it. There was a right. guy who was causing it called uh, Cursed You. I um, remember. Anyway, yeah, I think yeah. It was his, his, his house party. Eight. Yeah. I think it was, it was something like the first person to get to 88 or unlocking that thing that he used. I think something to do with the uh, uh, boxing ring, wasn't it? Um, and uh, he was the first person to unlock it to people around his. And he was, this, this curse to you was, was, was a bit of a rule breaker anyway. So he liked to abuse bugs and, uh, <laughs> and real world trade and stuff. And uh, so, uh, so we banned him as well. And the really weird thing was, was after it all done, it all died down. We all decided to go home. It's like, right, that's it, done. Um, came in the next day to, and there was a big notice on the front of Cursed U's account. It had been unbanned by Andrew Gower uh, with a comment saying, there's no evidence to prove that he did anything else, uh, anything to break any rules, why is he banned? So I don't know what went on there. Wow. Yeah, we'd sat there and watched him do it and we're like, well, we can see him doing it. It was like, hmm, I'm not sure what happened there. So whether he, you know, got <laughs> him to, to Andrew, or I don't know. But it's like, uh -huh. it feels a bit weird. Oh, that's weird. Well, I caught up right, with Kirsty right. a couple Wait, of years so... ago now. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was just great fun. The notoriety you get from doing that sort of thing will be with you for your entire life. And it's like, you know, it's, it's so cool. Same with Duriel as well. I was chatting to him um, a few years ago, and he was sort of oh, asking really? me, oh, are you, do you regret it? And he's like, hell no. <laughs> now, as soon as my account got banned, I made another one carried on playing. <laughs> and... Uh, and but everybody yeah. knew who I was. Everybody will always know who I was. And it was like, you know, it's worth it. <laughs> Fair play. Fair play. Right, right. Yeah, where no, he, he made RuneScape history. Where exactly. did he meet him at? Was he at a RuneFest? No, I didn't see him at RuneFest. I remember where I saw him. That was probably one of the streams I was doing that he popped in to talk. Oh, wow. Um, hey, I'm Duriel. The fascinating <laughs> yeah, right, thing right. was we, we, we commissioned a game as well, um, another RuneScape game, which I don't think ever saw the light of day. Uh, from another company, um, which was a mobile, um, a mobile Falador massacre game. <laughs> wow! <laughs> no way! These little click games that you have, where uh, soldiers run around, and um, uh, you, you, you were playing the part of Duriel, and as people were walking through the centre of Varok, you had to click on them to uh, to kill these people. And you know, the higher level of equipment they have, the more points you Wait. get. And stuff like that. Um, that that sounds hilarious. Like that. How did that never see the light of day? <laughs> <laughs> I would play that so I, much. I think, I think 
it was it was a lot of fun i must admit but i think it was um i think it was the word massacre that people didn't like uh, um so i don't think it ever got approved through the, through Apple and, uh, uh, the ice store and yeah yeah Google play so um but yeah no that's uh the, yeah i mean we also realized that even when we did that we still asked the question as is it not too soon to do this? And you're like, come on, it's 15 years later. <laughs> we can get away with doing it's this. It's hardly, uh, you know, <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, people people love that. Those wounds are still fresh in people's brains, man. You can't be doing that. So the, the other side of things, we had uh, we had another weird night, the night that uh, the old knight died. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, I remember him, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Because he, he died when like, an Australian guy. And uh, I think he was like third in the high scores or something uh, when he died. And we got a report come through saying that he died. And we went to have a look at his account. And all people have been logging on to his account and taking all his items out of his bank. And we were like, oh, shit, this ain't, this, this, this ain't good. Uh, so we realized something was happening. So yeah. we locked the account. And uh, then we got a report in from the account, which was from his wife. And it said, uh, uh, you know, we're uh, uh, you know, really sorry. Um, but um, I can't remember what his name was, but he's, he's now died. Um, and uh, as part of his will, he's left his items on his account to his family and different items to different people. And we were like, oh, you know, this is, this is really against the rules, but we'll unlock the account for an hour, pretend we've not done anything, turn a blind eye and just you guys sort it out and then we'll lock it again in an hour and let, let you do your thing, um, which was right. the right thing to do, I think. I mean, I think if our bosses hadn't seen us back then, they wouldn't have been too happy with that. But, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, sometimes your heart leaves your head yeah. at times. Right. Um, but no. at the time, in order to figure out that that's what was really going on, because you know we'd heard stories like this before of high-level accounts, though, where somebody had died and they were just sharing their stuff out. So this wasn't the first time we heard of it, this sort of story. Mm-hmm. Um, and always in the past, there are always people just trying to scam off the account. Right. Um, so we we ended up sitting there and we had this whole family tree of his um, mapped <laughs> out all, all the different accounts were to make sure that everything was going to the right place and people weren't just swiping <laughs> their stuff off. Going to ancestry.com to trade. Yeah, it's kind of like being in, in CSI Miami or something. <laughs> um, with this big thing on the wall with paper tied to different accounts to other things. But yeah, that was uh, that, that, they, they were they were good fun nights, the late nights working in community management. Yeah, I've heard I've heard from other people that there's all kinds of stories uh, from the night crew. You guys were a wild bunch. Um, anything anything you could share <laughs> to a live audience or? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It's putting stuff out of the air. It's a bit difficult. That's the thing. What else happened at night time? Um, everybody used to do night shifts back in community management. We used to sort of swap, uh, you know, you'd have two weeks on night shifts, then two weeks on day shift. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the two biggest things that sort of really impact people. I mean, you always get issues with uh, odd people saying strange things in games. We've had times where we had to phone the police to get... Uh, to get um, uh, go suicide visit people people. because they talk about mm. committing suicide mm. and things along those lines. Um, and uh, one of the biggest things I don't think people realise is the amount of effort that went into um, supporting the vulnerable people in the community as well. Yeah, I can imagine and, that's like a full-time uh, I think job. right now they still have a dedicated... Yeah, it's, it's a tough job because you're looking at people saying it's all the worst things you can imagine all day long. Um, but these people are properly trained. They've even got a dedicated team to it now, where where certain keywords are automatically um, pulled out of out of um, uh, or escalated to this team. So if you're saying anything oh, in the game, it's all watched um, wow. by you know, automated systems. If certain keywords come together, it gets escalated to this team. They look 
bit of thing he's escalating. Oh, wow. At one point, we were escalating sort of about 20,000 um, instances a week to the local police. And the police were like, Look, we just can't handle this. It's just, we've got to find a way of doing this. Right. Then we started working with some of the big internet watch foundation people to actually work with the police to, to create this list of rules of what should be escalated or shouldn't. Oh, wow. um, but there's no point escalating everything, which means they just won't yeah. deal with anything. So you have to really sense. sort of highlight the most important things. And you'd have, I mean, occasionally as well, once we'd escalate something to the police, we'd get feedback from them. We'd have some, some come back saying that. Um, we had one come back where the police said, you know, we, we got around there and they were, they were in their room with a rope and was like, we got there, we got their friends around, the guy's now safe. So, you know, well done for spotting that. So sometimes it was real. Um, equally, I don't know if you know the guy, Josh uh, Pilau. Uh, um, he said something in game. Uh, he said something in game about shooting his school up. Oh my! Um, got reported to the FBI. Spent six years. In prison. Oh, oh I do know about that. I, yeah, I think I've heard the well. story. Yeah. I don't remember the name. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Wow. I think he calls himself the RS felon guy. And again, I've been chatting with him about it because it's just fascinating seeing how the other side, uh, how the other side dealt with it. And he's like, "Yeah, it was it was a joke. I mean, I was never going to shoot my school up, um, but you know, I, I got done over by the by the by the judge and the uh, lawyers, and it's like, well." Yeah, I feel sorry for the guy, but yeah, um, don't make threats online though. <laughs> there's nothing he can do about it now. It's been done. Yeah, unfortunate. So, any any fun stories? I heard you guys were quite the party crew. Did you ever sneak alcohol into work or anything like that? <laughs> oh wow, very very yeah, very party <laughs> sneaking <laughs> alcohol in. I'm sure they had booze on on the fridge and stuff or on tap. <laughs> I had a job at a newspaper once. We actually put a, we moved the the plaster uh, panels on the ceiling. We moved one out of the way and installed an entire mini fridge up in the ceiling that we could put beer in. So like at we were doing the late shift, we put the newspaper. It was a student paper at college. We would go mm -hmm. up into the ceiling, pull beers out of the fridge, and have them while we we're putting the the newspaper together. You got anything? Any stories like that? <laughs> No, we had we had our own pub in the building. Oh my gosh! So you didn't even have to worry about that. Wow. <laughs> that All right. The problem is once the pub come in, we weren't allowed alcohol outside of the pub because the licensing laws in the UK are pretty strict. Um, so you could only drink in sort of the area the pub was in, which was the canteen area. Oh. Um, but uh, that, that was all fun and games. The um, I guess it was, it was always quite sedate in the office because one of the things you always had, you're always monitored with what you were doing. There was, you had hit certain targets while you were working there. So it was, it was pretty full on um, while you were there. So, I mean, fun times, you just did work with a great group of people. And that was what it was. Everybody who was there and everybody who is there was, was just great to work with. You have this real good sort of feeling of, of, of camaraderie and um, uh, enjoyment. Um, mm-hmm. Who are your favorite mods to work with? Ooh, like pick your favorite. Question, you got to pick your favorite kid now. Oh, that's a very divisive question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, so everybody on the old school team and everybody who ever knew me. There you go. Um, uh, the uh, no, there's there's so many good people, so many so many wonderful people for so many different reasons. I mean, Ash is Ash is great to work with, obviously. Um, I suppose the closest friends I had there were probably John C and Weath. Mm -hmm. Probably two of the closest, but then there's Timbo. There's you know, oh, yeah, Timbo. To work with. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch. Uh, there's, I mean, I, I've probably worked with 60, 70 different people closely mm -hmm. in, the, in the sort of 15 years I was there, if not more. And 
there's the way to look at it, I think, is there anybody you wouldn't want to talk to? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my next question. Who's your least favorite, J-Mod? Yeah, at least. <laughs> I don't know if you can ask that. <laughs> yeah. Always my bosses. That's what it was. Yeah, that's, that's usually the correct answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I have to ask because I'm, mm. my next question is, which one of these can you get onto the podcast for us? I've been trying to get Timbo forever, but I think he's just too busy. But if there's anybody that you can get on for us. Oh, come on, Jason. Focus <laughs> on our guests right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is great. I'm so excited we actually got like a, a, a good Jima that's got stories on. I want more. Now that I've got the taste of uh, of steak, I can't. I, I have to keep, keep coming up. He wants more and more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I wanted to ask, I've heard about like certain cases where like, uh, you know, players or people who have worked on significant things in the community were actually brought onto the Jagex team. Yeah. And like, I wanted to ask about that with uh, the guy who uh, cursed you, where like, I feel like that would be the world's greatest QA tester. <laughs> this guy who's constantly <laughs> finding all these bugs that are that are in the code. You know, what? who are kind of the players that like you guys found were like, exemplary and like uh brought onto the team and how did that go so i okay so there's two different things here there's there's the people we brought into jagex so if you look at the people we brought in who were um prominent players first we had um uh obviously chris archie mm -hmm. uh big youtuber um still works there as well he makes videos now for him um he's uh he's uh yeah he's, he's he was one of the best uh recruitments uh recruitment things that i ever had uh, getting him onto the team mm -hmm. really passionate really knows what he's talking about and i'm standing next to you in game by the way now oh um, <laughs> oh wow <laughs> goblinoid that's, that's me all in my nice <laughs> and uh yeah so he was, he was he was one of the best absolute pleasure to work with him every day i worked with him he's you know passionate he loved what he was doing and he was really good at it as well um other people we bought in we bought in so wrecked as well mm -hmm. um and that sort of uh it was it was it was really good really good to work with him he he i think he left in the end because there was a a call of his which was leaked where he was saying how frustrated he was with the community and that sort of made things very difficult to keep keep employing him yeah um if i remember rightly but you know i completely get where he's coming from because i think he'd been doing um live streams really pushing to make old school runescape a thing mm -hmm. and uh, he'd, he'd done you know 90 live streams every day in a row and uh just after one live stream he, he just needed to vent at somebody and you know you guys will know it yourself if you stream every day for a week that's tough Mm. Every day for ninety days—that is super tough. That's just you know, oh, yeah. almost impossible. I know um, Adam did it. Uh, both he did it every day for a year, and then he took a month off. <laughs> so I'm not bloody surprised. It's hard work streaming. Right. Um, it's tough, tough, tough thing to do. So I completely get where he was coming from. It's just a shame somebody recorded it and put it out there. But uh, it was a great guy to work with. Um, and um, we had who was the other guy that we had coming? We had three of them coming at the same time. Guy from Scotland. can't remember another big youtuber i can't remember his name Scott. sorry someone someone will yell at us in the in the twitch chat like, <laughs> rune shark yeah. later yeah <laughs> is it rune shark 
No, it wasn't right. Shark came to join us afterwards. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember what this guy's Scottish. If I put Scottish YouTube, Come on, chat. Silent Core. My, my chat's... Silent my Core, chat's... There we go. Good job, Craig. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Craig's the winner for today. Yeah. Oh, Regicidal as well. Yeah, he came to work with us. So, yeah, so Silent Core. Uh, yeah, he was, he was yeah, a nice like guy. Three of, them, um, three of them that came out like one time. They all left it incremental. <laughs> yeah, the Silent some, Core, some I think, left first. Um, uh, yeah, that didn't work out and probably will not go into details, but yeah, it yeah. didn't work out. Regicidal only left what, about a couple of years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... Um, he was basically making videos for RuneScape 3, so he was very focused around RuneScape 3, but he, he was there for about seven, eight years, I think. Yeah. Um, so that did really well. The RuneShark guys were absolutely brilliant. So um, it was just after old school RuneScape came out and streaming was a thing. And um, our streaming audience with it at Jagex was building up and the old school team was obviously spearheading that back then. And it came to a point where we needed to take that extra step and start making things professional before it used to be. Uh, a cheap camera on a tripod uh, <laughs> with a red sofa in the background. And, that's it. and then uh, we, we started uh, building a, um, uh, a live streaming studio, so a proper full studio. And uh, that's when we brought the RuneShark guys in because they had experience of of um, live streaming. And um, they, uh, yeah, they, they were absolutely brilliant. Uh, Simon and... Simon and oh, he's going to hate me for forgetting his name, but I forget my children's name, so I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, so those two are absolutely brilliant guys, and they were such a pleasure to work around. They were focused, committed, always looking to solve problems. They were they were absolutely wonderful. It's a shame when they left. Mm-hmm. I don't think they got the support they needed to actually take their careers to the next step. Um, so I had to move on to do that, um, but they were wonderful guys. And even now, the third part of Rune Shark, which was Fairy Tales, was there. The the sort of minor third part. He's now um, one of the lead uh, developers uh, for Old School as well. So Kieran, oh wow, sort of the third. Wow, third that's incredible. And so they've had a real close relationship. Um, <clears throat> that's cool. Now, anybody who hasn't worked out, so there's been a whole bunch of high level players that have joined that usually get fired very, very quickly. Um, <laughs> the power goes straight to their head. Yeah, I've, I've seen that before. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. It's very difficult to come in as a player and suddenly make that disconnection from, I now have all the power in the world. I can, I can see everything about accounts. I know who these people are, and I can ban people mm-hmm. on a whim if I want to. Um, and being able to deal with that properly was very difficult for them. Oh, yeah, I can um, imagine, yeah. And even, even for QA as well. We have some yeah. guys join QA. High-level player, I thought, perfect for QA. You know, he knows the game inside out, and he was really good at QAing until with the release of, um, I think it was, um, was it Innovation, one of the skills in RS3? Um, they uh, He found a bug and decided not to tell anybody. Oh, gosh. And then when the game out, he, he abused the bug to get lots of money uh, as a count, and obviously he got fired. It was like, well, why would you not think that would happen? Yeah, what did they... Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but there, there are countless people like that as well, you know, players who came and just couldn't handle the, the change from playing the game to being a professional business that you have to work with and behave in certain ways. Yeah, um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And I saw it time and time again. And when we were interviewing, I mean, what I loved doing was um, when I interviewed people to join old school as well, um, 
that was one thing I, I deliberately brought up with them. You've played the game. You understand the game. Um, this is what's going to happen, and this is the struggles you're going to have, because I've seen it happen a hundred times. If you get it wrong, you'll get fired. And making it that blunt and stark in an interview, some people understood that. But the other fascinating thing about an interview as well is because we put people in front of a camera, the first thing I'd ask them in an interview would be, what will people, how will people, how will the community describe you when they first see you on camera? And some of the answers we got back from people joining were absolutely hilarious um, because they needed to know that the worst thing they could say about themselves was the probably the easiest thing they would hear on that mm -hmm. when you stick in front of a Twitch audience, mm -hmm. the new J-Mod, because they will rip people apart and they do right. every single time. And uh, right. I personally found that hilarious, but <laughs> I realized other people <laughs> find it hilarious. Well, I, I remember a similar experience of that when I, um, they, I, I, I think, I can't remember who the community manager was at the time, uh, but I think around 2013 or 14, I was invited to do some uh, testing for the legacy co combat mode in RuneScape mm. 3. And they had, it was like me and a bunch of other YouTubers at the time, and they had a bunch of us sitting in front of a camera uh, on Twitch and like talking to people like while this was, you know, while we were testing legacy mode. And when they asked, me to like go on camera i was like uh no 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 you have to you have to turn the camera away from me i'm sorry i can't <laughs> <laughs> i i was not ready to do it he hadn't grown his fabulous beard yet so he wasn't ready for so, the camera yeah yeah but it's yeah. tough isn't it? you know you put in i mean you put in put in your your presence on on camera so people can look at you it, it, it can destroy people <laughs> if they're not ready, they're ready to deal with it um Right. And yeah, right. I've seen people in tears coming off live streams after what they've seen. Yeah. It's, it can it can affect yeah. people like that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm grateful that the people that watch our streams are are very nice, kind, gentle souls. <laughs> and it's just it goes to show I hope that anybody who's listening to this on Spotify and is a Twitch troll is taking notes and they know that their actions do genuinely affect other people sometimes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so keep that in mind. <laughs> absolutely well i gotta put you on the spot a little bit um do you remember like both me and kyle coming to the jagex studios did you happen to meet us when we went there i might have done i hate to say it but i've i've met thousands yeah. of people <laughs> i can't remember all of them yeah that's what i felt when i went to jagex i probably met like hundreds of mods so i was like oh did, did i meet <laughs> Matt? i can't remember i probably yeah. did and i they probably shuffled me like this is Matt and so and so and and shuffled me along to the next group. <laughs> I couldn't remember if I had met you or not. So to that effect, um, you've been have you been to every single RuneFest um, since they started or? Uh, no, it's the first one was twenty fifteen. I think about fifteen. Twenty ten was the first one. Yeah, so I think my first one was about twenty fifteen. I think. Oh, okay. Um, hang on, this was the, it would have been 2014. 2014, it must have been. So I didn't go to one before Old School came out. Um, we didn't go to the one the year that Old School came out. Or did we? 2013 or 2014. One, one of the two, I can't remember. <laughs> a long time ago. Oh, so the first one, okay, really, this is quite an interesting story. All right, so first one we went, I went to was... Um, just after I had a vasectomy. Uh, oh, wow. So it was the week after I had a vasectomy. So I've got four children. 
So my wife uh, came to me and she said, uh, <laughs> "Enough! <laughs> you're, not, you're not coming near me again with that thing unless you get chopped off." Went and had a vasectomy, and uh, when when you have them, you're awake during the procedure as well. Oh gosh! So I'm lying there on the operating table, and there's my tackle out on the table, and there's the doctor <laughs> sort of leaning over, and um, he's, he's, I'm, I'm feeling obviously a bit a bit nervous about this situation. Yeah, well, what if there's um, an earthquake? What's going to happen? you're in and um i've explained what happens you know he's basically going to cut my ball sack up and uh, and play around with the, the uh, tubes inside it and i was like oh, fair enough <laughs> um, so he's trying to put me at ease because obviously i'm feeling and he goes so so what do you do for a living then and i was like oh, I'm, I'm i'm a community manager and he's like, so what's one of those? I'm like, how do you explain to a doctor what a community manager is? <laughs> this is a doctor who's been at university for hundreds of years. You know, he's, he's, he's done all sorts of uh, procedures and operations. He's a very serious, clever bloke, obviously, because, you know, he's, he's trusted to, to cut your ball sack open. And um, <laughs> it, it's like, how do you explain a community manager to this guy? And I'm like, right, okay, so, so I, I help people play computer games, try to dumb it down, assuming he's my mum, basically. And say, you know, how do I explain my job to my mum? Which is always very difficult as well. Mm. So, well, I'm, I'm, I basically help play computer games. He's like, all right. So, what sort of computer games? And I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm lying there, going, well, he's only trying to put me at ease, trying to take, 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 you know, my mind off the fact that he's just bought out this cauterizing iron and all I can smell this burning flesh. Yeah. Um, so he's trying to put me at ease, and I'm like, okay. So, how do you explain RuneScape to a doctor? A doctor who's probably never played a computer game. Right. Um, who's only were interested in science, helping people, solving you know, all this sort of stuff. It's like, how do you do that? I was like, well, you pick up a sword, you kill people, you kill goblins. And he's like, oh, like RuneScape. <laughs> and uh, apparently he put in place by abusing bugs in, in RuneScape. I'm like, oh, well, what goes around comes around, I suppose, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that was quite interesting. Anyway, after that, um, we were... Um, we went to the first room. Well, I went to my first room fest, which was at Tobacco Docks in London. And Tobacco uh -huh. Docks has got loads of squares, loads of squares, loads of stairs. Um, <laughs> and anybody who's had a vasectomy, there probably aren't that many people uh, listening which have. Um, <laughs> walking up and down stairs after a vasectomy is not very easy. Oh, so I'm sort of walking up the downstairs, going, "Ow, ow, <laughs> ow!" Take it nice and slow, sort of one step at a time, like a, like an old you know old man with with a bad back sort of thing. And uh, Ash is yeah. with me, and uh, he's sort of standing there, I'm sort of struggling down the stairs, and he goes, do you need a hand? What would you do? <laughs> how, how could you help me? <laughs> just just, just pour my balls down the stairs if you could, please. That'd be grand. <laughs> yeah, can you, can you cut my balls really quick? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, that was, that was my first introduction to, uh, to Rufus. That was... That was uh, I think that one we had a little little room where we had you know, about ten people turn up to ask questions, mm -hmm. um, and that that was it for old school at that room first. Then the last one I went to in twenty eighteen, I think my last one was. Um, that's when we, we we just headlined the whole thing was themed around old school. Um, it was we we headlined everything on there, and uh, I remember sort of walking out to the stage with sixteen hundred people looking at you, uh, ready to sort of pitch our next lot of updates to these people and such a change from you know within within what five years of 10 people turning up to ask you a question 
mm-hmm. 1,600 people sitting there in an audience in front of you on stage, which is 50 feet wide. Um, <laughs> you know, this the, the biggest LCD screen in the world around you. Uh, mic'd up with, you know, proper cheek mics and uh, and the entire thing. Right. And you think that's how far the game went in five years. And uh, it's like, that's, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was one of my highlights I was doing that. And uh, I think the, the best bit for me was um, we all walked out there and uh, everyone started clapping and cheering and whooping as, as they do. You know, by then they must have all been drunk, I would expect. <laughs> um, so so that was that. Was I walked out onto stage and I had the other uh, five JMOs with me who were actually going to do the hard work of pitching the ideas. I was just doing the, the showmanship thing at the front of you know, introducing mm-hmm. it all. And I sort of walked onto stage and uh, they started getting quiet and I just went... Like this, and they all started cheering again. And I was like, "Oh, power! It is really crazy, like, though. Just like how, yeah, like the the transition from like, I mean, you guys. I feel like the game was not nearly as popular uh, up until like you know mid to early like 2010s, uh, hmm. like 2005 to 2010, and it just like kind of blew up. And then like you guys went from like being developers, community managers to like celebrities. Like yeah, no. when you talked about like J mods and like the game, people would freak out. Like yeah. you know, it's it's crazy. But yeah, I think one of the most sort of proudest moments I've got from um, uh, from from the whole old school thing was when we started old school, um, the, the, the reason it was success is because we were just left alone. There was me, there was Ash, there was Nexus and uh, Dan. Um, there were the four of us sort of looking after the game and nobody cared about the game. Everybody thought the game was going to die in six months. Oh, really? Um, so we were just mm-hmm. left to look after it and we could do anything we wanted because nobody was watching us. We did do anything we wanted. <laughs> um, so back then, we had all these rules. That's right, yeah, Dan's mod reach. Um, so we had all these rules um how to behave on a j mod in game and there was you know there's like 18 different points you had to you know you had to please like, see that list type correctly um you mm-hmm. had to not take people to the wilderness you had to not <laughs> give people these things just made it all just sterile and boring whenever you met j mod in game and we were like well no one's watching us so let's break all these rules let's just, <laughs> just, just let's just be ourselves chair and see what happens because at least we'll have a laugh before somebody tells us off and says we have to go back to corporate jagex style. <laughs> um so, uh, so we started doing that and uh, we started transmogging into different creatures in game as well so you know jad's in the, the grand exchange and uh, things like that oh my gosh <laughs> and uh, little buckets or ships on water that you can, you can move around um so doing all those sort of silly things that we were doing and people loved it and it, it was great and um and we started building this relationship with the community when it wasn't suddenly strange to see us in game and when they saw somebody in game they saw a person they didn't see a corporate being that you had to be careful what you said around in case you got banned because right. we didn't care about that we we're probably worse than they were most of the time <laughs> um, but we were just ourselves and that sort of created yeah. that, that that relationship with with the community and that's what really made it work right and then, um, and then because there's very little we could do right at the beginning, we started releasing um, all the rare items into game. Uh, so doing drop parties with the rare items into game because we couldn't. Um, we polled the community about whether they wanted them. They said yes, they did, but they couldn't decide how they wanted them. Um, so we came up with this plan of right, what we're going to do then is throughout the first year because we could do almost nothing else. We didn't have the tools to make significant content updates. Um, what we'd do is we would go into game and we would drop um 
drop the rare items so party hats and uh christmas crackers and santa hats and halloween masks and all all the bits that surround it as well in game we would do events and live stream them and that's how we started live streaming and mm-hmm. uh it even started off the first time i did it i went to my boss who was the head of community at the time and i said look this live stream is a thing we should be doing it we should be there right in the beginning and and, and doing it and my boss turned to me and said, no, it's not worth it. It's just a fad. It'll go away. Who wants to watch somebody else play a computer game? Oh, my God. And uh, I was like, to be fair, he, he doesn't work in community management anymore. And he didn't last more than about four weeks after that. So, so by that point, I'd already learned to be more in any way. <laughs> there you go. So I waited until everybody went home in the office. And, uh, and uh, I, I waited until everybody went home in the office and then just logged on and started streaming didn't have a mic didn't mm-hmm. have a camera nothing i was just there as a jmod streaming on uh, um, the mod mac k channel and uh, mm-hmm. just typing i was like well you know, the worst thing i'll get you know pulled into an office tomorrow morning and dressed down for doing something like that and i was like i don't think i will i don't think anybody honestly cares and nothing happened you know i had about 300 people turn up and it was you know to watch and we had a nice chat and um it's all very good and then uh, mm-hmm. so next week i did the same thing and 3,000 people turned up and I was like, "Wow, this is this is obviously something which is significant." And uh, that's that's basically how we took the next steps into streaming. Then we realised mm-hmm. um, it was much easier to stream from home than it was from the office. We started streaming from home, which then opened us even more to the community because they could sit there and see us at home um, in an office like this, um, yeah, or in the living room, or you know wherever. But they saw us as people um, in a normal person's life, um, and that, that really made that strong connection. And the yeah. most important thing from that is because what we were doing was listening to our community, engaging with them, talking to them, giving them their answers um, and, and doing the work, um, that, that, that just brought the players in. And players love that. And that's what really drove the first sort of, you know, two, three years of, of Old School mm-hmm. Escape. Yeah. Uh, the, what then happened was Jagex started shifting around to uh, that way of thinking in RuneScape 3 as well. So through the work that the four of us did, um, in order to drive sort of this engagement with the community, the entirety of Jagex shifted their strategy from from a, we know best, we're going to tell them to a well, actually no, we're going to understand them and talk to the community and then start doing what they say. And the whole the entirety of Jagex shifted, even the sort of the mindset of the senior leaders in the company, um, the mission mm. of the company, uh, the focus of the company, it all changed on the work that we did through old school, so they could see the success mm. that it was bringing and building. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that, that to me was probably one of the proudest moments I had was when suddenly realized that actually had we have not done that jaggers would probably not exist at the moment right yeah it's part of the part of the process to to, to do that yeah yeah i mean you, you talk a lot about this. anyway i've been talking for ages no oh, it's, it's we, totally love that. <laughs> we love that yeah no seriously you know um you know you you've talked a lot about doing a lot of community management from like home and like working all these like crazy night shifts and stuff and i think that effort really shine into the game because you fostered like such a great relationship, like not just you, but like mm. everybody else on community management. Like I Absolutely. always knew that everybody that I was friends with was always very fond of like the J mods, the way that Jagex was handling things. I mean, sure. You could disagree with like updates or like changes and things like that, but there was never like a vicious hatred towards like this corporation or like this shadow mm. company that was running this this game you know it was always very interconnected and that's i was always very grateful for that uh when i grew up playing this game um but i also have to ask a uh, question kind of based off of that it seems like 
you guys really threw a lot of your time at this game and like it did not go unnoticed but i have to wonder like did you find that there was a good work-life balance between you know working at jagex and you know also having some time yourself whether it's playing on your own personal account or just doing <laughs> anything that's not runescape related oh god i mean so some weeks there wasn't um but i mean that didn't matter i mean what it boiled down to is if you do something you love and you're doing something which you would do even if it wasn't your job then it, your work-life balance is automatically there because your work and your life is the same mm. thing um mm. it's always very difficult i mean i, I back then i think 2013 uh, I had four kids. They were uh, early to mid-teens. Um, about right? Yeah, so 10, 10, 10 to 10 to 15-ish. Um, so I didn't have that worry about looking after young kids and what have you, but you still needed to be around. But you know, when mm -hmm. when your work and your life are very similar, that, that, that made it work. And I never felt that I, I never felt that I couldn't just say no and stop doing something, but I wanted to do it because I knew I knew the benefit was there for it. I knew it's mm -hmm. all affected so many people. I mean, one of the things I realised over the years was that, in fact, I remember a conversation with our head of um, digital marketing, and my job title was was a product manager. And he said, uh, he said, "Oh, you must love money." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> He's like, "Well, you're a product manager. Your job's about making money, so you must love money." Um, it sounds really weird saying it now, but um, it was it's a normal. Yeah. It was it was part of another conversation. It did lead on to that quite naturally. And I was like, "Do you right, think right. I do what I do because of the money?" Like, yeah, I'm like, "Well, no, because I I do what I do because I see the impact that computer games have on people." When you sort of met as many people as me, and you realise the amount of people who have learned English because they played RuneScape, or are yeah. now working as a games developer because they played RuneScape, or have careers making podcasts because they they, they played RuneScape. Um, and then you sort of hear about people who've met their partners through RuneScape and have got married. And then people, and there's one guy who I was speaking to who's, who said RuneScape got him past his dad's death. And there must be hundreds of people out there who've used RuneScape as a sort of a, a, an emotional crutch to, to overcome problems. You suddenly realize how important not just RuneScape, but any computer game can have. And so that's why I do what I do, because I know the impact a computer game has on people. and helping people is what, what i'm there for i just do it via via looking after yeah. a computer game yeah i get that yeah. it's kind of why i make videos too because you can have some sort of small impact and i've had all kinds of just real like emotional messages saying your your videos helped me get through like a tough time or something like that and that's kind of the reason why i, I can't stop coming back and making videos even though i've retired 14 times oh, but yeah i totally get what you're saying there <clears throat> so um when did you leave Jagex? Like a year ago or two years ago? Oh, it would have been sort of May twenty nineteen. It's nearly two years now. About two years. What have, what have you been up to since then? So I've been working for a company called Hadian, who um, uh, cutting edge technology company. They make or uh, well, we make um, uh, something called distributed compute, um, mm -hmm. which which. what we basically do is we're able to take all the processes in a program and distribute it on the cloud so imagine every time your computer does something it runs a process uh, in order to run a process is a process it uses your processor 
after a certain amount of time, you've got so many processes running that you need more than one processor. And then for most computers, we'll have eight, 16 processors, mm -hmm. which, you know, ergo, that means that over the time, if you've got enough processes running, you're using up all the processes on your computer. Um, and then in order to process the stuff, you either have to delay processes and do them next, which means it takes longer to, to work out all the things you need to work out, or you have to start using other computers. And that's how where supercomputers come from. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we do is when you have something that runs a process, we're able to go to the internet, find all these processes that are lying around, pick apart the thing that you're running, put them onto different processes, run it all at the same time, and then stitch it all back together again. And what that effectively means is you could have a RuneScape world, which is limited by 2000 people. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you have more than 2000 people, there's too many processes running, it will crash the server that it's on. What we're able to do is turn that 2,000 into 100,000 and have 100,000 people running on a RuneScape server. Oh, wow. Um, that, that's sort of the, the, the thing that can happen. And I don't think you'd want 100,000 people on one <laughs> RuneScape server, but um, you could do. Well, if you want a Rune gathering again, we can... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that. But there's also many other people that want to use it as well. So one of the things we've been doing as well is working with um, Imperial College in London and uh, Oxford Universities um, on the Oxford AstraZeneca um, vaccine as well. And looking at how how coronavirus or modelling out how coronavirus infects the lungs so they can actually get to a, a resolution quicker. So one of the problems you've got is if if you want to run things at a level where individual particles, individual cells are being affected, you're running so many processes, computers just can't do it easily. But we can build a simulation that does that, which we did, and then worked again with the Oxford um, AstraZeneca people to uh, to help develop the, um, the code or give them the information so they could develop the, the vaccine mm -hmm. uh, by using modeling, computer modeling, instead of uh, waiting for people to die and pick mm -hmm. apart their lungs in autopsies. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's so all pretty cool stuff. Um, I think I've learned more technical stuff in the last eighteen months than I've learned the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> it's a very technical um, <laughs> thing, but it's, it's absolutely yeah, fun. Yeah. Awesome. So, somebody in uh, chat actually had a pretty good question. They were curious what you thought about the current state of RuneScape and what you thought about the the current uh, owner of the the company. Um. So the owner is that, oh, I can't remember what they're called now. Um, it's that big fund, isn't it, that bought mm -hmm. um, um No, selling a company, right? So a lot of people worry when a company is sold because they think this uh, big company, that's it, Carlisle Group, thanks, Treasury. Um, Carlisle Group, yeah. Mm. The, uh, a big company will come in and they'll say, we want to make money, therefore you need to sell things to uh, old school players. Right. Which is, you know, nuts quite frankly, that's not how, how big companies work. What they're doing is they're investing 600, 700 million quid, however much it is, in the company expecting to turn that into a billion right. um, in a short mm -hmm. period of time. You don't do that by destroying the company. And one thing I'm, I'm very aware of, I know Phil, um, the CEO, um, well, and he knows this, um, he understands this, and he's never going to allow the company to be sold to a company that's just going to gut it and put it to pieces. Um, because I mean, why would you, if you had 700 million quid, you're going to put into a company, you don't want to lose that 700 million quid. <laughs> um, so what you do is you look at the company, you go, right, it makes hundred million quid a year, 50 million in profit. 
um, we'll let them increase their profit. They know how to do it better than we do. We're going to give them the money and then give them more support because we think they could turn that 50 million profit mm-hmm. into 100 million profit each year by, as, as we invest in them and give them money to be able to do that. And they've got a plan on how they're going to do that. And that's, that, that's why when a company gets sold, it's a really positive thing um, because a new company is coming in that believes in the company that believes that they can make a lot of money out of the company and they're going to make a lot of money out of the company by investment. Um, and that's that's mm-hmm. exactly what you know Phil said on the, on the reports that came out. They're there to invest in the company, let it grow. And they're going to let it grow by um, taking the RuneScape IP further and then creating new IPs as well. So we talk about new games, we talk about new RuneScape games, new non-RuneScape games. You know, there's, it's, it's a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. And I get why people get nervous, but yeah, it's, it's nothing to be nervous <laughs> about. It's a really exciting time, so that's that's really good. Well, some some of those venture capitalists just look at short term games. They just want to like just squeeze the blood out of the rock as quick as they can, milk milk as much money as they can right away, and then if it fails, it fails. But hopefully, you get a, a company like you're talking about yeah. where they're looking at long term success. And that's what you always hope for. Yeah, absolutely. And you think about that and think, do they really want to do that? The, the venture capitalists, I think there is a belief that they that some do. There probably have been some that do that, but for the most part, you. The, the fundamental thing is I have huge sums of money that to, to me, I'm I'm never going to get my head around what 700 million pounds even looks like, yeah. <laughs> um, let alone, you know, uh, anything else. So, you know, I'm never, that, that that's just a, a large amount of money that I just don't understand. Um, mm-hmm. But they're not, people don't throw that away. People go into it to turn it into more money. And you yeah. don't, you don't do that by pulling, you don't, you don't do that amount of money by pulling apart cust- uh, companies. Yeah and uh, destroying the company. Well, exhibit A for me is EA Games, but... Well, EA Games have a different thing. So the one, <laughs> the mistake that um, the thing you don't want to do is you don't want to sell your games company to another games company. Because <laughs> they'll just pillage it. Because they're not... <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's the worst thing you can do. Because you think about it, if we, if Jagged's got sold to EA Games, right? EA Games have got loads and loads of developers around the world, so they don't actually need development teams. Because um, they've got the developers already. They don't need, um, they'll just move it onto their own infrastructure so they can get rid of all the RuneScape infrastructure, which means, you know, your DevOps team will all disappear. Um, senior managers, potentially, but they'll probably put, want to put their own senior managers in there anyway, so that'll probably swap over. Um, and that's it, you know, that, that they just cut costs massively. Right. Exactly. So imagine you buy a hundred million pound a year company, 50 million spent on costs. I can cut that 50 million down to 5 million if I, buy it and then just take all the staff out and use my existing staff to do it and that's that's the difference so you don't want to get sold to another gaming company but the big companies like the carlisle group they're all about investment to grow their their revenue right their their money Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what phil does Mm -hmm. phil knows this um, very well as well um which is why Mm -hmm. you know you've got a good guy at the helm of of runescape and jagex at the moment so long may he stay there (laughs) (laughs) um I've got a couple more questions. I have one question for you, Matt. I've got uh, I've got one question just generally about the company that uh, you might not be able to answer, but that's okay if not. But my question for you is, you know, obviously by by jumping shift from Jagex, you've kind of pivoted from you know the gaming industry. Um, do you feel like you've kind of uh, you know gotten everything that you've wanted out of working in the gaming career? uh over those 15 years at jagex or like what kind of made you pivot industries like that i mean you're still in a technological field of course but mm. it seems like it's a little bit different from what you've been doing at jagex 
Yeah, so I mean, it is very different. Um, the the key thing to me was I wanted to do something new. So RuneScape runs on very old technology, um, as you could probably imagine, because the game's twenty years old. Um, and I wanted to work mm -hmm. on sort of cutting edge stuff where you could you could do something new, and that's why I went to where I went to. Um, but while I was looking for work, I was also looking in the gaming industry and had some really interesting conversations with um, people like Square Enix and working on the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, and yeah. and uh, trying to think who else I spoke to. I mean, probably most most big studios got in touch with me after I left Jagex and I changed my profile on LinkedIn to say I'm looking for work. Most right. of them got in touch, offering very similar things. Huge amount of mobile companies, and I hate. I don't know what everybody else thinks, um, but a mobile game to me just isn't a computer game. It's yep, yep, not the same. It's just kind of like a gacha system with a different skin on it. It's just like, <laughs> um, yep. But anyway, um, so I was immediately no to anybody who mentioned the word mobile. I was like, nope, nope, not going near that. But mm. I, I had 20, 20 job offers in the first week after I left Jagex. Oh, wow. So it goes to show the importance of of Jagex and, and the, the jobs you do that people look at Jagex and see that as a company they want to, they want people to join from. Um, but I went to this brand new thing, mate, for two reasons. One was the, the new technology. The other thing was it was a, it was a startup company. So it was a very different mentality to an established company where mm -hmm. you do your job and you don't care about other things. What I really loved about working on old school was the fact that you were involved in everything and you were helping set the direction of the company and helping set the direction of the game making sure that you know you could lead it forward and mm -hmm. uh, that's that, that's that's what i like about you know smaller groups of people working together and that was, that was yeah. really exciting to me yeah. um cool. i could say something else as well but it's completely gone out of my head um <laughs> but yeah would i go back to the gaming industry i probably will at some point i would expect um but i feel i'm in a position um to be able to sort of cherry pick what i want to do and where i want to work um mm. So one place I would love to work would be Games Workshop. I don't know if you know those guys. Um, oh like yeah, Warhammer. yeah, like yeah, Warhammer. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah, they, they they their office, their main office is is probably about an hour from where I live. So oh, uh, wow. One day, one day I'll work for Games Workshop because uh, there's somebody I've loved I've loved um, gaming with since I was about ten. So mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're a strong brand yeah, that I like yeah. to be part of, but. Hey, yeah, I feel like you got the repertoire to work there. I mean, you've got only 15 years in like the gaming industry. How different is tabletop mm -hmm. from uh, a computer game, right? Indeed, yeah, indeed, yeah. So we're getting to the top of the aisle. Carl, um, is there any other questions you wanted to ask before we wrap up on the podcast side? Yes, I have. I have one last question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you, if you cannot talk about it, it's totally fine. But I have to ask because. Uh, Ten-year-old me is going to be upset if I don't. Why did you buy so, my account? What? You know, <laughs> what can you tell us about Stellar Dawn? Mm, oh wow. yeah, great question. Stellar Dawn. I thought you were going to ask me a different question because you haven't asked me the question. You really oh yeah, want that to question. Ask. That's for the after podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Stellar Dawn. Um, okay, so I did some of the testing for Stellar Dawn. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, as I say testing wasn't testing. I, I was playing the game as they were building it and giving my feedback on what I thought of it as a game. Um, mm -hmm. And the version that I played, which I think was the best version they made, uh, was effectively RuneScape in space. Um, ah. What you do is you'd be on your... your you're going to hate this, I'll tell you this now. Um, <laughs> you're on your little spaceship, 
Oh. On your spaceship, you you didn't have levels. You didn't so you weren't leveling up different skills for yourself. You were leveling leveling up your technology. Mm -hmm. um, so you were on your little spaceship. You had research pod on your spaceship. You had um, an engineering pod where you built stuff and all these other bits and bobs that, that you, you expect to get on a spaceship. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, what you would do is you'd get into your little lander and you'd fly down to a planet and then you'd be in a vehicle in your planet and you'd be trundling along in your vehicle. You'd find stuff to mine and shoot it with your laser guns to, to mine those things and oh. chop down trees and monsters would try and attack you while you're in your vehicle and you'd shoot those and do all that sort of stuff. Wow. Um, and obviously the idea of the game is you just rank up your vehicle um, in order to uh, mm -hmm. in order to get bigger weapons, to fight bigger bosses, to go to more areas and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then you'd get to a settlement and you would get out of your settlement, get out of your vehicle, go into the settlement, and it would be Rescape, as it was back in sort of 2008, 2009. Oh, wow. It would feel mm -hmm. like that, except you had WASD keys. You would use WASD to walk around. No way. Oh, oh this hurts. Walk around. Yes, this is hurting me. Oh, no. Why did this fail? Why, why did it ever see the light of day? Because this sounds great. Well, so... Rumor has it, and obviously I was never in any of these meetings, so it could oh, be a complete lie, but I can believe it. <laughs> um, what happened was um, uh, we did a deal with Hasbro. Oh, for Transformers. Uh, to do Transformers. Mm, yeah. yeah. And, um, Speaking of and, games that didn't uh, see the light So the day. team that was working on... Yeah, quite. Uh, so we're working on Stellar Dawn, working on the guys working on Stellar Dawn were immediately taken off that and put uh, on to uh, Transformers Universe mm -hmm. to deliver that, and uh, and um, yes, well that all went out the window as as we well know. In fact, fascinating story. The one of the other rumours I heard was uh, the day it got canned, um, it was Hasbro that canned it rather than Jagex. Oh, and oh. Uh, the Hasbro lawyers turned up on the doorstep at nine o'clock in the morning. Frog marched the CEO into the uh, into the office uh, into his uh, office and said, "Right, here's a subpoena. If you don't give us everything by the end of the day, we're suing you." Oh! Um, so all the code had to be given over, all the assets had to be given over, and then dump, done. Oh um, man! So Hasbro wow. played hardball on that one um, because it just it just wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't good enough, mm -hmm. and we yeah. spent I think two years and ten million quid working on it. <laughs> Again, okay, that might not be true, but that's that's what what was going around the office. Yeah, mm. but so, that's what happens with big corporate companies. Yeah, they exactly. want to play hardball and uh, <laughs> you know, housebreak. Yeah, big one. Wow, dude, I had no idea. I mean, I knew that, and I kind of assumed that you know Transformers had taken precedence, but I didn't think it happened like that. That is absolutely insane. And thank you for giving us like the inside angle of that because. Uh, you know, every other JMod that we've talked to before has, has never said a word about it. And you've actually told me like what it was. And I was like, holy shit, like that, yeah. that was the most satisfying answer I could get. I feel like I can rest that part of my brain and be like, <laughs> there's people crying in my, in my stream chat right now. They're, they're disappointed that that never came to fruition, but after I um, managed to get old school settled, uh, one of the things I looked at was if we could bring back st the set of door oh, in my place. Yeah. So I felt there was. Not a massive market, but mm. certainly a market of or, or an added value to people, the community wanting to play this. Right. And unfortunately, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. Ian, who was working, Gal was working with us uh, in the old school at the time as well. We just couldn't get it up and working. The code just wasn't ever going to work. It needed to be rewritten oh, no. in its entirety. But yeah, it, it, yeah. it, it is, is what it is. Um, so I don't think we'll ever see it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but mm. it was it was good fun when I played it. It was uh, yeah, it was 
it was a shame it never saw the light of day because I think a lot of people would really enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Well, that was my final question, and wow, was not expecting that answer. I'm very glad that I had some closure on it. So I'm going to kick it to you, Jason. <laughs> Do you have any final questions before we end off the Spotify segment? No, um, and then. I- I I want to thank you again for coming and and spending time with us. It's great hearing your stories from Jagex, um, your your Jagex days. Uh, Yeah, I want to mention that next week I believe we have Drum, who is one of the first Gold Gnome winners. Wow, I haven't heard his name in years. Yeah, he he wants to know what's going on with his lifetime membership, but I'm (laughs) trying to poke the current (laughs) J mods about that one. But we'll 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 talk to him about that next week. But thanks again for coming on. as always, we'll try to stay on afterwards, uh, hang, with, hang with the chat, uh, discuss things. Stick with us if you have time. Otherwise, thanks, everyone, for tuning in for the podcast.